to another episode of Studio 7500. I am Greg Hool, along with Jamie Brown. Hello there. Have you changed your name yet? No. Oh, okay. Why are you seeing my name as like Jamie DeBow, Jamie Brown? You don't yeah, know what to call me? A while ago, you said you were going to go back Jamie DeBow Brown. Right. So I just go by whatever anyone wants to call me. That's fine. Well, we're here. We're into the new semester. It's September. You know, it's exciting. And yeah, things are hippity and hoppity on campus. Lots of students and a lot of activity and events and stuff. So that's good. Um, what's up with you, Jamie? Oh, the usual. Uh, personally, um, my daughter crashed my car, totaled my car completely. Thank God she's okay. Yes. She's fine. Passenger's fine. The car is a total loss. So I spent the past week researching cars and dealing with insurance and it all turned out okay because she was not at fault do not text and drive people wait somebody ran a red light because he was preoccupied on his cell phone and almost whatever totaled my car i'm curious about that did the person get in trouble or well i don't know what's happening yet with that whole thing but uh yeah i I don't know i mean okay i i have to admit i'm assuming he was (laughs) He was preoccupied. So Who runs a red light? I believe that's called fake news. <laughs> You're just making it up and saying. I j- okay, let me back up. People are distracted when they're driving. So who r- runs a red light unless you're very distracted? I think we can infer the person probably was doing something that they shouldn't, but maybe not. Maybe not. The, maybe w- the were, bad thing is the person. They might have been deep in thought. Maybe. Or, yeah, but the worst thing is that the person... Um, did not admit fault. Were they okay? Yes. Okay. And yeah, they were you fine. You sound disappointed. <laughs> I was just mad at the guy because he didn't even, I it was close to my home, so I ran to the scene. Oh, wow. And he um, wasn't even concerned about the girls, my daughter and her friend, and was just standing there, and witnesses were like, this guy blew through a red light, and he's like, oh, no, I know it wasn't red. So I'm mad at him. Wow. But anyway... <laughs> Everyone was okay. Now Everyone's you, okay. You have a shiny new car. I have a new car, lot. but yeah, it's not like, you know, I'm paying for that new car. So I wasn't <laughs> expecting to have a car payment. So you better not fire me, Greg. I need this job. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes today. <laughs> All right. You're on thin ice. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a couple of uh, points I wanted to make. We have a couple of events. We talked about this. There are a number of events, so go to our website, woodbury.edu slash events, and see what's coming up. Uh, but I do want to give a special shout-out to Discover Woodbury, which is our re- undergraduate open house, which is Saturday, October 19th. So if you're interested, if you know anyone who's interested in checking us out, it's a great time to come. You can learn about all of our programs. So that's October 19th. Go to our website. You can RSVP for that event also if you want to check us out we're on apple Podcasts, we're on stitcher we're on spotify we're on tune in um so you know review us share us tell everyone about us we have lots of listeners if you want to be a guest email greg you can email me at greg.houle that's greghole at woodbury.edu we really will 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 accept anyone (laughs) <laughs> that's gonna make our guests feel really no really i'm kidding we reject important. thousands thousands of <laughs> we're very selective no we interview um people anyone who's had an experience at woodbury um that they would like to share with us we are a very authentic show we're not about promoting the school outright promoting the school it's just we really want to hear um, stories, um, individual stories about why people are at Woodbury, what they're doing at Woodbury, wh- how they'd like to see Woodbury change, what they think is great about Woodbury. So, um, yeah, we're open to all types of points of view, and um, we would love to hear from you if you want to um, share your, your story with us. Speaking of which, why don't we take a short break and we'll be back with our guests. Sounds good. We are back. You're with Studio 
Studio 7500. Well, you're actually with Jamie and Greg, and you're listening to Studio 7500. And we're back with our guest, and I'd like to introduce him, Christophe Corner, who is chair of our interior design program within our School of Architecture. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for joining us, Christophe. Thank you for inviting me. So let's just start out from the beginning. So what brought you to Woodbury? I guess, what would be the beginning? Where are you from? I, he has a wonderful accent. So let's start with that. Where, where were you born? Thank you for, for liking my accent. Um, I'm originally from, from Germany. Uh, I was born there, grew up there. I went to university, um, had a great time there, but at some point decided that I want to see something different. And I wanted to go as far away from, as possible from Germany or from Europe in order to better understand what it means to be German and European. Anyway, so that brought me to Los Angeles, where I went to school also. Um, eventually did my master here at UCLA uh, and then started my own firm in Los Angeles, um, architecture and design firm called Graft. Mm. Um, we just actually had our 21-year anniversary two weekends ago Congrats. With, with a big party. Nice. So there was a lot of fun. Good. Um, and then I was designing for a while there, and the office was growing, and we started opening an office in uh, Beijing and one in Berlin. And at some point, I just kind of got bored with designing. And I know I shouldn't say that because we're talking to aspiring designers, and it's supposed to be exciting for all of your life, but I get bored easily. So um, that's when I decided to go into academia and start teaching. Mm. I'd been publishing before and writing a lot, but um, I wanted to teach, ultimately came here to Woodbury, and that's where I'm at now. That's my main gig at the moment. Well, let's unpack some of that if we, if we can. So you're in Germany, you go to, uh, did you, you didn't go to college there, though. You can't, did you go to undergraduate here in LA, at UCLA? No, no, no. I, I first went to school in Germany mm. at uh, the Technical University in Braunschweig, um, tiny, tiny town that nobody should know. <laughs> um, but it's kind of close to Dessau, to the Bauhaus. Mm -hmm. um, oh, wow. N and I, I was right there when the wall came down. So mm. one of the first things after the wall came down, apart from celebrating and being happy and everything, was driving right away to the Bauhaus to see it finally, <laughs> because I could all right. of a sudden. Wow. That's actually, and we have uh, an exhibit, actually, uh, or an event, I think, at Wuho, or Wuho Gallery that's commemorating the 100th anniversary yes, of the Bauhaus. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I didn't mean to get a plug in there. <laughs> but, um, so you did your undergraduate, and yeah. then, so you're thinking, okay, I want to do graduate work. So what, 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 did, was, what did you study yeah. in your undergraduate? Um, architecture and architecture. urbanism. Okay. And um, then I worked for a little while, for two years, roughly, uh, just, you know, make money, pay back some loans, the regular stuff, figure out what do I want to do with my life. And then I got an offer from UCLA for a scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't really thought about doing grad school, but I realized they're paying for it. I better do this. Mm -hmm. That's a great opportunity. So I went to UCLA and studied um, history and theory of architecture. So wh when was this, if you don't mind me asking, like around mm -hmm. roughly? Uh, um, I moved to LA in 97. Oh, okay. So... Had you thought about coming to the U.S. or L.A. or anything like that? Or were you thinking, I just want to go anywhere? Um, I have not been thinking about the U.S. originally because at that point of my life, I did not like the U.S., mm. <laughs> which Un was very superficial. Unlike now, which I'm sure, you know, we have the, the most amazing uh, government. We, we try not to get political, but I don't Greg mind always throws <laughs> it in every time. Well, I'm here despite that. Still, <laughs> but no, so... The, the problem or the issue was that I wanted to get into a different culture far away, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the only languages I spoke were German and English. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of tied in with that, and I realized, well, Los Angeles is at least, with the West Coast culture, the sun, the surfing, and all of these things, very non-German. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was looking for. So I, um, I figured out, yeah, LA or UCLA would be the right spot for me. And um, first, when I moved here, it was exactly what I expected. I was really happy at the university, loved it there, mm -hmm. hated Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Really? <laughs> well, I didn't have a car, mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of stuck just in my small areas Brentwood. there. <laughs> and um, Brentwood is not the most fascinating <laughs> part of the town. And um, it was all very complicated. And, and I mean... You know, for all of you that are living in L.A., maybe you even grew up here, you need 
nothing just happens. You need to know what mm -hmm. is going on where. And somebody right. must have told you that there's this one really cool thing happening at that time that day. And then it's great. But you first have to create this network of people. And then you can really discover the city. By itself, I think it's not very interesting. Or it doesn't show it's how interesting it really is. Yeah. By right. now, I love L.A. I love living here. So I imagine UCLA was a huge, I mean, it, it had a major impact on you then during your time there. Or would, you, would you say that it did not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's not agreeing. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it had a major impact on me because that's when I started focusing more on theory. Mm. Um, because I, I, it, it kinda, I kind of, it wasn't done on purpose, that decision. It was just that that was my scholarship that mm. they offered me. Mm. And so I said, like, yeah, sure. I'm, I, I'm in, I've always been reading a lot. And, um, but that kind of started getting me to think in a different way and started... Um, getting me to write also mm -hmm. much more. And there were a couple of teachers like Sylvia Levin um, that were very influential on my own way of thinking and working also. So did you, you must have applied to UCLA then to get the scholarship or? No, I got, well, I, I got a handshake that I would get the scholarship if I apply. Ah, okay. That's and nice. I cannot so reveal how that no, worked no. because <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in prison no. like right. the recent scandal. So right. they came after you, somebody yeah. you knew. They recruited me. They recruited you. Yeah. I've because never we had, heard I had, of that. We had met, I had met some people yeah. at other events and they said, hey, You're have great. you ever thought about going to grad school? I said, no, I don't have money for this. Yeah, okay. And I said, well, you don't need the money. Just come yeah. here. Wow. And so oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. To teach, though, did you have to get a PhD or not? No. Or no? Um, in, in most design disciplines, you, you just need a master. That, okay. Sorry. So, so what did you study at UCLA? I studied um, history and theory of architecture. It was my major, basically. So, but I was also told I can take whatever classes I want. I can make my own curriculum. There was no worksheet for mm -hmm. that. I was the only student in that, not department, in that field. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, th that freedom was something that was important to me because I, you know, could, I took some classes with um, uh, art history department. I took some in architecture, some here and there. And I really, really liked doing my own thing there. Um, but yeah, it was mostly theory classes. The only design studio I did was with Greg Lynn, who had back then recently started to teach there at UCLA. And I figured, you know, he was the hot, not that young kid on the block mm -hmm. anymore, but young enough with some really new and fresh ideas. And I really wanted to um, test those out a little bit. So after you got your graduate degree, did you, is that, did you, is that when you started your your company or did you how did it what happened then let's go to the I, next I, phase <laughs> yeah. of your story I, I did it the way that nobody should do it oh. I think we started the company while I was a student oh interesting I had uh, two of my friends from Germany had come with me and they went to another school to SciArc mm. um, they had scholarships from the German government there mm. and um, one of them his girlfriend at that time her family had a con uh, contractor's business they were looking just for someone to do some drawings. Mm. So she asked him, because he, you're an architect, you can do this. And he said, yeah, sure. And then we were also roommates, the three of us, and we sat together like, well, then let's do the right thing. Let's start a company right away, not, wow. not just do some drawings here and there. So we, ver we were very inter entrepreneurial, I guess. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. So we started that. and. Um, you it started that 21 years later. At, <laughs> yeah, at, at that there. point, no one got a paycheck. You <laughs> guys. <laughs> no, and, and well, unfortunately, we still had our scholarships from yeah. school. Yeah. So kind of the basics of living expenses were covered. Yeah. But at the same time, we all come from very modest backgrounds, so we had to make money right mm -hmm. away. But fortunately, through this contract, we got a lot of work. Um, some of them really great projects, a lot of them very non-glamorous, mm -hmm. just little remodels here and there, but, you know, busy work that would pay the bills and, mm -hmm. and also teach us a lot about how to deal with clients, how to do contracts, how to do an insurance. You know, all of these nuts and bolts yeah. of a company that you don't learn at school, really, right. because you can't learn it in theory. You have yeah. to live it. Yeah. Was it residential? Or? Yes, at the beginning, okay. only residential. Okay. Interior remodels, typical L.A. Interior. things, you know, master bedroom addition with a master closet and mm -hmm. all of these things and maybe a new kitchen here and there just the regular stuff 
So one, one thing we will get to, because um, I want you to really talk to us about interior design, because mm-hmm. I think there must be some, you know, some people don't know what that means, and we want to get into it. But, I'm, but before we go there, is that, it sounds like your academic background, you were really covering a lot of ground, right? From architecture to theory to history to can you talk a little bit or surmise your academic background? <laughs> um, yes. I mean, it, it, the easiest way is just the official titles is that I'm, I, I, um, in Germany, I made my uh, diploma engineer, which is um, engineering degree in architecture and urbanism, and then here, master of architecture in history and theory. Hmm. Um, so those are kind of the official titles. But I'm always, I've always looked at myself more as the kind of... Um, generalist mm-hmm. there's interest in everything and um you know i've by now i've been taking classes in physics astrophysics and mm-hmm. this and that I, my interests are very widespread and overall also in our company um in graft we kind of considered ourselves the swiss army knives of design <laughs> <laughs> okay. where we you know we, we're that one firm that can do anything whatever mm-hmm. you want want done we can do it for sure yeah that's great uh and so you've already mentioned this but you definitely wouldn't recommend starting a company while you're still a student is that or or in, in retrospect do you think you know what just do it if if the opportunity is there just do it and if yeah. you if you're good at time management and maybe not in a rush also to finish school necessarily why not i mean there's i think there's no bad time to mm. do that but you have to be confident you have to have a lot of knowledge of course about contracts and those things yeah but um yeah, why, I, for us, it was the right move, definitely. Well, and you all time. were students, so yeah. you had the opportunity. People aren't necessarily going to hire students <laughs> to do their work. Yeah. You know, they're hiring if they have they want to remodel. I don't think I'd go to well, students we, we had, to we do had it. the foot in the door through that family yeah, right, collection, which always point. helps. Right. But on the other hand, one thing that was came into our benefit was that we were German, all three. Mm. Mm. And as Germans, everybody trusts us. We're supposed to be reliable. <laughs> Very orderly. Orderly you know. yes. and punctual and I all know those German. things. My, and, my, my, and my ex-mother-in-law is German. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it might not always be true, but it, it helped us a lot, mm. actually. And we were kind of exotic also here. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, yes, the designers. Well, not yeah. to get off on a tangent here, but is there much of an expat German population in L.A.? Or? Um, yes, but I'm not really in touch with them. Mm. At, the, at the beginning, we were more, especially with the film community. Mm. Um, there were a lot of people here, and, and we were kind of you know eager also, of course, to get projects through that, which we did. Sure. Um, but by now, um, I just have... There's a reason why I don't live in Germany anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Although, and we'll get to this, you now have a Berlin office. Yes. So you're not completely out of, no. uh, yeah. out of Germany. How many employees do you have now? It's about 150. <gasps> oh my That's impressive. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. And so you were, tell us about your schedule. Okay, let, we need, I guess we need, we <laughs> well, need to bring in. The whole what we <laughs> do want to talk about, but I'm curious, do your partners, uh, do they also are they working full time, or do they do other things? Do they teach, or like you do, yeah. or? No, they're all, all the other. So first of all, all partners. By now, there is five. We all met at university in Germany. Oh. We're all friends for ever over thirty years mm-hmm. already. Um, we um, all of the other ones. They're all full time in the office. So you're the slacker. <laughs> I'm the slacker. They, they all talk about you in their staff yes. meetings. Well, Where's Christoph? I'm usually either referred to the very, very silent partner or the godfather, <laughs> which you, I prefer. You are one of the founders. So. I'm one of the founders. I'm pulling the strings from yeah. behind the scenes, but yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not really working on uh, design or build projects. I consult I mean, a little bit, but yeah. that's it. What I'm doing is the writing. Yeah. So still when we publish books, um, I'm at least one of the lead authors. Hmm. Very cool. So um, I don't know if you had something, Jamie. But no, I have a lot of questions, but let's well, move into. Well, I just wondered how you. So you, let's talk about your transition into academia. Um, was it like so? You, you alluded to this earlier that you get bored easily. So, which I'm sure your partners appreciate <laughs> as well. But um, <laughs> at what? So at what point were you bored so much that you said, "I think I want to teach"? Okay, then. 
before I go into the transition to academia, I have to go to the transition into interiors. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what happened there in the office. So the most of those remodels, most of the work we did was interior work. Um, and then at some point, we started doing a lot of restaurants, which is, you know, super fun and cool because they, they were mostly restaurants in Las Vegas. So you have oh, wow. a very big budget mm. and they're all about experimenting. It has to be cool and flashy. Because they know it's only supposed to be there for four years, mm-hmm. on average. Oh, okay. And then they have to put yep. up a new restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so that was great and was a lot of fun. And I discovered that I'm actually much more interested in this interior work because it is so much quicker. You know, if you mm-hmm. build a house, it can take a year, two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Right. By then, I'm already bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you do a restaurant, let's say in a Vegas restaurant, maybe it's three months of design and then three months of construction. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're done. You mm-hmm. see the result. Mm-hmm. And so from the restaurants, then we also did a couple of exhibition designs, which I loved because it was, again, much more experimental, immediate. You see the results. You also collaborate with curators or artists mm-hmm. or things like that. And I loved this collaboration in the interior world also a lot. And um, so it must have been around the time when we did the fourth restaurant in Las Vegas. All of a sudden, I realized... If I have to do another restaurant, I'm just going to start screaming. <laughs> because, yes, each one of them looks very different, but in the way, the process is the same. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, we, I mean, we were really good at it, of course, at that point, because I knew exactly what to do, how to – we included the branding and everything mm-hmm. in it. And um, so I, I um, was getting bored by that, but at the same time, I knew interior is actually the thing that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend um, over 90% of our time indoors um, sure. nationwide. Yeah. So mm. actually, who cares what it looks like from the outside? <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. Right. Or it doesn't matter as much. The interior is much more important. And that includes, you know, things like lighting, acoustics, um, temperature, uh, so many invisible things mm-hmm. that I think are really important uh, and really exciting. And all of that just brought me into the interior world. And I, and I knew this is what I really want to do. I don't care about the rest anymore, mm-hmm. or less at least. I, and so, yeah, and so that brought me into that. Okay, and how long did that take? Was It sounds like a few years of, of working. You basically came to that conclusion. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell the exact time, but I would say after like four or five years, I really I knew interior is what I want to do, which was fine. Then I took over the interior projects within the office, kind of was the lead on that. And then I started teaching as an adjunct professor probably seven or eight years after Mm. we founded the company. Here at Woodbury? No, originally at uh, PCC, Pasadena Mm, City mm -hmm, College. mm -hmm. Okay. How was that experience? Pardon me. uh, How was that experience? That was great. I really, really liked that school. Um, I mean, it's a really good community college overall. Mm. But the, back then I was teaching in architecture first. Um, the architecture department was excellent. It was really, really good. Um, you know, of course, a transfer college, two-year program. I loved the diversity of the students mm-hmm. there, that they were coming from many different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I always at UCLA rubbed me a little bit wrong was that, you know, it's an elite university. It's mm-hmm. really hard to get into um, you have to have money, sort of, or other credentials, um, know somebody like I did. But um, in Germany, my education was free. Or, I mean, it wasn't free. It was paid by my parents through taxes, mm-hmm. so indirectly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, that's what I loved about um, community college, that yeah. it was accessible for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And in those two years, they really got them ready to transfer into great schools like Woodbury. How was that transition when you're teaching? Like, suddenly you're responsible for all these uh, young minds? Like, what was that that experience like transitioning into that? And first of all, did you expect one day that you would teach? Mm, I never really thought about it. But also, I have to say, in retrospect, that most of my family are teachers. Mm. And so it was kind of natural, I guess. Mm -hmm. It was just in my DNA that I would end up teaching. But it was never an intentional choice. It was more, ah. I'm getting bored. I'm getting offered a teaching position without asking for it, without soliciting anybody. It was a cold call by someone. Huh. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll teach. Why not? I'll give it a try. And, and then I really liked it a lot because, you know, sometimes to see, to see how a student all of a sudden understands something, 
all of a sudden they get it. At first they're like, right. ah, I don't know, and this is kind of dumb, and I don't want to do this, and why do you make me do this? And then when they when this light goes on, it's such a great moment mm. for a teacher. Mm. And I kind of got addicted to that. Yeah. So y- how many classes were you teaching at uh, PCC? Well, usually just per semester, one or two classes. And, and, then, you, and then you were recruited here? Or, um, or you applied here? No, then, <laughs> then I was teaching here as an adjunct also. Then I was teaching at SciArc, another local school. Mm-hmm. There was a moment in time when I was teaching the same history course at all three sc- uh, schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I just, I figured, well, maybe I should start just weaving one lie into it, <laughs> one, one incorrect fact, because at least half of the students that are coming out of L.A. Ar- architecture schools will insist that this is the truth <laughs> after they graduate. <laughs> I never been, dared to do it. That would have been a good experiment. Uh, that's yeah. funny. But um, so, yeah, and, and then when I was teaching adjunct everywhere and, and then, you know, the office was getting kind of the focus of the office was going more and more to Berlin. Uh, there was when the recession hit here, there were less and less jobs um, in the U.S. Uh, but Europe was still going pretty well, so we were kind of going over there in China as well. Um, I figured it's time to become a full-time teacher now. And that's how I ended up here at Woodbury. Uh, then full-time, I applied for a position here, and five years ago, mm-hmm. I started. Before we get into your Woodbury experience, your office has three offices. Yeah. How does that work exactly? Um, well, the way it works is, it has historically worked by now, is that there's usually one, there turns out to be one head office, which is which rotates around depending on where the most jobs are. Mm-hmm. So right now that's Berlin. For a while it was LA, the largest office. From here it went to Beijing, which all of a sudden during the recession was the only office mm-hmm. with a lot of work. And then um, now it is Berlin. Um, the way it works is that the lead, Leaders, the partners that are in charge of the offices, we meet at least twice a year for a week somewhere on this planet mm-hmm. and um, to really work together, have fun together. You know, it, it's important not just to be partners for us. We need to be friends. Mm-hmm. We need to yell at each other. We need to hug it out again, all of those things. And um, so we do that usually twice a year. Uh, we're on the phone all the time, of course. Um, one of the benefits that we also learned from this is that if we have a very tough deadline for a project. Nobody has to work around the clock because we just shift the things around. Mm. Because of the um, eight to nine hour time difference, basically when the office closes here, the office in um, Berlin just starts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Beijing just starts. Then when Beijing closes, Berlin starts and so on. So mm-hmm. we can rotate work around, we can work 24 hours a day on a project without doing any overtime. Mm. Mm, that's, neat. that's clever, actually. Um, why don't we just take a short break and then we'll come back and talk about your Woodbury experience. Okay, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us here with Jamie and Christoph. Christoph, we've been going through your uh, biography, I guess, talking about your experiences, your professional experiences. We left off with you really accepting a position here at Woodbury, I guess full-time at that point. So what was that experience like, uh, suddenly having to make that shift where you're you're doing this full-time? It was... Um surprisingly liberating for me because I, like I said before, I get bored easily, so I tend to work on 15 different things at the same time, but all of a sudden I had my one main job and everything else was kind of on the side. And I thought I wouldn't like that, but actually it was really, really good because I could focus on one thing most of the time and then, you know, work on everything else in the evenings, a little bit here and there on the weekends, but um, that made it a lot easier for me, a lot less... um, being flustered and forgetting things and overwhelmed by this and that. So I, I really enjoyed that. And um, it was also great because I knew a lot of people, of course, already. But um, as adjunct, you're not as involved in the Woodbury family. And um, that really allowed me then to become part of this. And um, it was good. It was really good. So let, let's talk about the program a little bit more here. So we recently changed the name of the program, correct? That is correct. And 
So we went from interior architecture to interior design. Why did we decide to make that change? Um, why did we decide that? So let me maybe answer that with another question for you. What is interior architecture? I think of interior architecture as building the walls within a home or interior and your interior architecture, the interior architecture of a building, a space, and you know, it could be any interior space. Good. That's very correct, actually. Okay. <laughs> very close. Um, the issue is that usually if I talk to people about that, they have no idea what it is. They think either it's kind of architecture light, you know, like a better version that just testing things out, or they really have no idea. And that's a big problem that nobody knows what we're doing. And over the last 20 years, interior architecture has starting to started to emerge as a discipline separate from interior design and architecture. And we've been working now for a, quite a while on trying to establish that. And um, we organized two symposia about it and uh, publications and so on. But still, we see uh, ourselves running against this wall that nobody knows what it is. And so ultimately, now we decided, you know what? Let's just go back to the traditional name, interior design. Everybody has an idea what it is, even though it's not quite correct. Usually with interior design, we um, associate that it is mostly about selecting furniture and um, surfaces and, uh, you know, curtains and things like that. We go further in what we teach here and what we do also, which includes the walls and those kind of things. But um, I'd rather be misunderstood in that direction than in the other, to be honest. The other problem also for us was because we are in the School of Architecture together with the Department of Architecture, nobody could really distinguish what is different between us and the architects. Because, just because of the name. So we wanted to kind of simplify that. Okay. And has that worked? I don't know because we just, <laughs> we did, just it. did it. We just did it. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think the only issue would be interior design, as you had mentioned, you know, I, I don't know how to say this, but a lot of... <laughs> A lot of women who have nothing else to do decide to be interior designers, and to them that means picking the furniture and the sofa mm -hmm. and the you know and and the the fabrics and and they don't have to go to school for that. So it's not it's a lot more um, detailed than just the surfaces, correct? Well, first of all, I, you know I, I don't want to say that just doing surfaces is something okay. Maybe we should bad uh, or inferior. I think that's you know pretty cool too and. Great work has been done that way, and uh, there's incredible interior decorators and designers that I really love their work. But, um, you know, we're doing a, something that is a little bit different, uh, and which also means we're, for example, not as good with color as maybe those people might be, but I'm better with walls and space. So that's the difference. I think a light bulb went off. Correct me if I'm wrong. Interior decorating is different than interior design? It's a sliding scale from interior decorating to interior design to interior architecture to architecture. But yeah, I mean, there, there is some basic differences. Okay. I mean, all the way to there is, um, as an interior designer, you have, you're supposed to get licensed, a licensure, pass exams for that. Uh, our program is accredited by an interior design accrediting body. So it is a little bit more serious. Uh, an interior decorator would... Um, still probably take some courses at community college. You can learn great things about that there. But an interior decorator would not probably not come to Woodbury. Okay. It feels like there are a lot of students who, who come into architecture and maybe end up in interior. I mean, does that happen? Um, yes, a lot. One of the things is that a lot of architecture firms do a large percentage of tenant improvement or interior, actual interior design work. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work there. Uh, retrofit, all of these different things. Um, so in most architecture firms, there are interior designers working there also. And the, one of the problems that we ran into in our office, if I go back to that for a second, is mm -hmm. that usually when we hire a new person out of university, if it's an architecture graduate, then we have to train them in furniture selection, lighting, acoustics, all of these interior-based things. Mm -hmm. But if we hire an interior designer, then we have to train them in more conceptual thinking, uh, some structural things. And with our interior architecture program, we were bridging those two. Mm. So we tried to create this perfect hybrid. And we're actually still doing that, even though we're changing the name to interior design. But we're still after 
trying to make this perfect employee for offices. Can you just um, give us a little insight into the program? So let's say you're an uh, incoming first-year interior design student. Like, wh what are the what are the kinds of you know studios they take? What are the classes they take? What's it like for that student? Well, it's a four-year program in total. It's a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Interior Design, uh, and in the first year, it's it's about the basics of design. Um, it is about composition, it is about color, um, you know, a dynamic composition versus a centered composition versus a linear composition, let's say, things like that. And actually, it's, it's so much about those basic skills that at the beginning, uh, you take your classes together with the architecture students, because all of those things are the same, mm -hmm. no matter what you do. You also learn skills like uh, how to draw in the computer, how to build a model physically, how to use the laser cutter. So all of these skills are uh, built in the first year. Um, and then in the second year, that's when you get much more of the broad um, introduction to interior things. So there's a course, Materials and Furnishing, where you learn about how's furniture built, how are materials made, what is sustainability, how do you use green materials, um, how to specify them, all of those things. Uh, there's a class about space planning, which is about the layout of something. You know, imagine if you're supposed to design an office, where should the restroom be? Where should the library be? Where should the conference room be? Um, so That's these critical stuff. I mean, uh -huh. it really is. <laughs> yeah. You can't mess it up nope. either. <laughs> those adjacencies are very, very important, and, and they're not very intuitive, right. usually. But we also introduce codes, building codes, um, uh, ADA, so for um, handicapped people, their codes, um, wheelchair access, and things like that. So you kind of you learn all of the different tools for things. And uh, at the same time, in your design studios, uh, we now um, we're kind of establishing this new trifecta that we're working with, which is the physical material aspect, the experiential aspect of it, and then the virtual. Mm. So the material is, you know, these nuts and bolts, the chairs and things, and you built a lot of stuff by hand here. We have an incredible wood shop mm -hmm. uh, and also digital fabrication. And then the experiential is much more about um, the psychology of color, mm. uh, of space, um, the things you see, you feel, you smell, which are so important. Uh, and then the uh, virtual is something that we're adding now on. Um, it's becoming a more and more important field for us uh, in our interior design discipline and for our students to learn about virtual reality, augmented reality. So we work here with the Applied Computer Science um, Department on integrating that into the curriculum that you design in this world for this world also. So you would maybe then graduate and eventually become, you know, let's say if you uh, if there's a computer game where you kill aliens in a spaceship, somebody has to design that spaceship. Sure. And why not us, you know? Yeah, that's really fascinating stuff. But um, you touched on this just now, and I do want to talk about it, is our sort of making complex. And, you know, we have a material testing lab, right? And isn't there a lighting uh, facility as well? Talk a little bit about what we offer here, which is probably typical of a lot of programs, but I think it's really kind of interesting stuff. Um, well, it. I think we are definitely in Southern California a little unique with those things because we have more of those facilities. And that is because we believe in making. You know, it's, theory is great and concepts, I love concepts and conceptual thinking, but in the end you need to make it. Mm -hmm. So for example, we have the lighting lab, so you can, first of all, of course, learn about light, different colors, different, um, you know, there's 80 million shades of white. And what does that do if you sit in a fluorescent tube space like we do here? which actually makes your eyes usually very tired mm. and it makes your skin look very blue and green, not very healthy. Yeah. Um, so Seems like a bad choice. It's a very bad <laughs> choice. So, but you know, what could you choose instead? And, and those things you can learn in theory, but also in our lighting lab, you can actually apply it and you can light it. We have, for example, we have this wall with, I think there's 16 different light bulbs in it in different shades of white and you take the same material sample, put it in all 16, and you see it ranges from looking yellow to looking red. Mm -hmm. And so you can be start learning more about how to make deliberate choices. Mm. And it's similar with all of the other things. We, we want you to make it, to experience it, to figure out how to do it. Otherwise, I think, we, we, otherwise it's harder to really design for reality. Mm -hmm. You mentioned sustainability and all of that. Obviously, 
um, the way we design our our space uh, going forward really has to take into consideration the environment and the impact on the environment. How much is that coming into the curriculum now? Um, I get asked that question a lot because we don't have a specific class for that. Mm. The reason why we don't have a class for that is that it is part of every class. It is nothing, by now in the, in the discipline, it's nothing special anymore. Right. Everything has to be sustainable. The thing that, that makes it more complicated now is that we now or we have adopted this thinking, it's called cradle to cradle. So you don't just think about the material itself, is it off-gassing or is it toxic or anything like that, but we try to think about from the moment any parts of the material are made to the way it dies and goes into the trash. Mm -hmm. um, so um, you know, let's try to use materials, for example, that are local so the carbon footprint stays low, uh, small, so they don't have to get shipped around the world 15 times until right. they get here. Um, let's make sure that while they were produced, there was no tax toxic material involved or mm -hmm. chemicals involved. When they go, uh, when they go away and die, can they be recycled or not? So this whole life cycle is something very complex and very important. But we're really trying to address that as much as we can. I was just curious to know um, what professions do some of your students go into? Other than interior design, you know, like yeah. who have they worked yeah. for? What you know? Well, it it is a it it is kind of this wide spectrum again, from the physical to the virtual. So we have students that ended up um, becoming furniture designers and furniture mm -hmm. makers. Um, we have one student, for example, she worked here for a long time now for a Japanese traditional craftsman and is building traditional Japanese furniture. Mm -hmm. Really beautiful. Mm -hmm. There's no electric tools involved or anything like mm -hmm. that. We have, a stu we have students or alumni now that um, do um, jewelry uh, or object design, things like that. So really from the making of things uh, to then students, we have a couple of students actually that work for Disney Imagineering. So they're involved in the um, uh, theme parks of Disney, uh, or also product design for them, mm. um, all the way to then, well, we have one student now that does a minor in um, applied computer science. And so she's not doing that yet, but she wants to actually then work on computer games later on mm -hmm. and, and do the environments for those. Mm. Um, we have students that do exhibition design, um, event design, also event planning. Uh, branding is a big part of our field. And then, of course, a lot that work in much more traditional interior design for a lot of them for large firms like Gensler, SOM, but also the more smaller firms. We have students that started their own businesses design build. Um, so mm -hmm. one of our f uh, recent graduates, he did a, his contractor's license afterwards. And so if you um, want to build your own house, um, but you want to have it all from one person, you have him design it and built it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, design, the work that you do is pretty pervasive. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned that, you know, we spend so much time inside. But I mean, that's, there's a huge amount of uh, uh, space that that occupies mm -hmm. in terms of whether it's a restaurant like you've talked about with your company doing or a living space or an office or an event uh, space or, or even now virtual spaces. So um, that's interesting. Um, what I'm curious about is the students that come into the interior design program, what, what do you find them most interested in? What is their sort of, what are the, and I, I'm famous for asking 40-minute questions, so I apologize, but, um, like, we were talking to uh, Joyce Swan, who's the uh, psychology uh, chair, uh, several months ago, and she talked about how everyone who gets into psychology, they, they all, you know, they're the the 18-year-old girl who's the good listener and <laughs> says, I want to go into psychology. Who is your garden variety interior design freshmen like what are they looking to achieve and what how is how does the program change them and and that sort of thing that's what i'm getting at i think that um well no i don't think i know that a lot of our students incoming students freshmen especially they are influenced by all of the makeover shows on tv mm. so they saw all of the flip this flip that and whatever those shows are called and they're like ooh, that sounds fun i want to do that i want to do something like that yeah. So they come here with that kind of idea in mind, and there's nothing wrong with that. And they will definitely learn something about that here. 
Um, but it's only a small aspect of it. And the thing that um, we have to kind of teach them at that moment is that what they're, the way that they think that it works is that we call it a vignette thinking, that they just look at one corner of a space and they're like, mm, it would look nice in purple, maybe with this chair and that wall color and um, that drapery there. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But we're trying to teach them to think in a larger scale and more conceptual. So, you know, what is the entire environment? How do I want people to feel there? Do I want them to feel cozy and spend a lot of time? Or should it be much more efficient and work-related? And, and then once you figure that out, what, how can you now translate that into a design? So it is more of a deliberate choice. It's um, something that we call also evidence-based design. So it is not just based on your kind of gut feeling, but there's evidence you can bring to the table, research where you can say, well, you know, if you want to achieve this, you need to do that because of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's uh, sometimes then surprising for our students that they're like, wait a minute, I have to really read all of this and learn all of this? Can't I just think about it and decide by myself? And like, no, that's not how it works. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. No, I was um, thinking about the whole in how important interior is. My experience with that just recently was when I bought my new car. Because I was looking at all different models. Here we models. go again. <laughs> no, but no, but I was looking at all different models and going to this dealership, that dealership, and the car looked beautiful on the outside. And then I'd get in and I'd be like, I don't feel right in this car, you know. And it's yeah. like I don't care what the outside looks like. <laughs> I'm in this car driving. I'm not looking at it. And so I ended up buying the car that I felt the most comfortable in driving, and like all just the features inside made yeah. a bigger difference to me than what it looks like outside. So, I, I mean, it's so important. So I could see, I mean, even some of your students could go into car design, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, no, and we, I, I don't remember any student going in that direction, but like one project we did once was uh, the inside of an uh, Amtrak, mm -hmm. you know, to design something on that scale. Or um, we also usually, in the last couple of years, we did a Mars studio where it was about the trip to Mars. Oh, wow. Huh. And um, so the... First step was that the students had to design the cabin for the trip there. You know, you have to imagine you're there, I'd f I'm sorry, I forgot how long it is, six months, let's say, right. on the trip, and you are in a very, very small space. Uh, how do you make that still comfortable? So that's how we teach our students about psychology mm -hmm. also. The psychology of color, of day-night cycles, yeah. of lighting, these kind of things. All of a sudden, it becomes very apparent, oh yeah, that is essential at that moment. Well, it's just as important in regular life but it's easier to understand in this extreme situation. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, and by the way, there should be a special award given to any interior design or interior architect who can improve the flying experience on airplanes. Oh, yeah. Um, they just anyway. want to cram us in there. Yeah. There's got to be something we can do, right? Fly first class. I know, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Would you say one of uh, our, your competitors, our competitors, is uh, the Art Center? Um, yes. I mean, it's a friendly competitor, I would mm -hmm. say. They're mm -hmm. a little bit different. The Art Center, their program is called Environmental Design. Mm -hmm. So we have overlaps with them. But they're looking more at uh, commercial design, stores, interiors, um, branding, um, also restaurants, but they're not really looking at residential work a lot. They do a little bit, but they're much more specialized. We're much broader okay. in what we do. So, yeah, on that note, how how do you differentiate your program from the other programs in the area? By being better. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it Well, the, yeah, the two things I think that differentiate us is that um, we are trying to really just like I look at myself or my office, we look at ourselves as the Swiss army knife of design the same way we, we want our students to be able to address a lot of different things. So you will learn about making furniture all the way to virtual reality. Mm. While some other schools are much more specialized in that. And the other thing is this making. So the one of the new taglines for the School of Architecture is the future of practice. Mm -hmm. It is about the practice. And by making, we don't just mean physically making something. It could also be making by helping to make a new law that will then influence the built environment. But it's about making it, that law, and not just complaining about it. Action, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, can you touch a little bit on our grad programs? Sure, yes. Um, 
So we started also five years ago, right when I became chair here, we started a Master of Interior Architecture back then. Now it's going to be a Master of Interior Design program also. We have a two-year track and a three-year track. So the three-year is if your background is in psychology or any non-design related discipline. Well, the two years, if your background is in interior design, architecture, or something related. And um, this, one, uh, this program is very specialized in the sense that we are trying to find your specialty. Mm -hmm. So we want the students that are coming in to tell us what they want to do, what they want to learn about. It's very customized, mm -hmm. that program. Uh, it's a very, very small program. It's very boutique. A handful of students, but that gives us the time to really work with you on what you want to do. And so for their thesis, then at the end, the students might do something more traditional, uh, restaurant or hotel, or uh, we had a student that did a very abstract work about the change of um, the bedroom um, according to the changes in time of the role of the women in oh, a marriage. Interesting. Uh, so very just experimental things. And we had one that did a piece of furniture. So we really want to cater towards you find your strength, your interest, and just work on that. Huh. I like that. Can we talk a little bit about your own academic work? You want to address a little bit about where you are with, with, with that part of your uh, existence? <laughs> um, sure. Um, so when I started writing, that was um, when we started our company also, and we were kind of the young kids in Los Angeles, which was very interesting for German architecture magazines. So I became kind of their foreign correspondent, sending back articles. The exotic guy in yeah. Uh, yeah. LA. We'll, yeah. Have to, we'll have to Google you. So, you know, talking about <laughs> Las Vegas and why is it interesting to look at Las Vegas as an architect or designer. So a lot of those kind of things at the beginning. And then from there, I went into writing much more about the theory of our own practice. Um, you know, why are we called graft? What are we doing with grafting? Why are we interested? So our... our the name of our company is not just a fun name. It's it's our program. It's our um, the way we work and think. So I, I, I was writing a lot about that until that kind of got exhausted as a topic also. And we actually kind of moved away from this idea of the grafting, of the hybridization. Um, and when I, I personally got more and more interested in um, quantum theory and quantum thinking at that time, that's when I started taking classes in, online classes in, uh, astrophysics and gravity research and all that stuff. And so I went into that direction and started being interested in this idea of, uh, there's no good name for it, so I call it still quantum architecture. Mm. Um, so what would that mean? Where, um, you know, and I, I know we don't have time to talk about all of this, but, you know, in a quantum computer that works very differently than a binary thinking computer, um, how how does, what does that mean for space, for architecture? What does that mean if a space is not just one thing or two things, but it is simultaneously the, um, has the potential to be four or five different things? Mm -hmm. And how do we make that happen? And so I've been writing about that for a while um, and have still not reached a point that is even remotely close to knowing what I'm even writing about. <laughs> But that's exciting to me. Yeah. That's why I'm not bored with it yet. So I'm yeah, still trying to great. figure out what what is that. I guess I should have asked this earlier, but I'm curious about the differences in design here in the Western U.S. and 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 Germany, for example. Like how how are you know how are things different? Or in I mean, you have an office in China as well. I mean, that, it's a lot of different sort of aesthetics that you're dealing with. That's got to be a challenge. Um, it, I, no, I, I don't think it's a big challenge for us. We, we always like to work, um, or on one hand, our process of working is the same wherever we are, and either the clients like that or not, and if they don't like it, then they shouldn't hire us. Mm. And that means we're starting with a lot of research at the beginning. Um, there's quite some time where they don't see any drawing or traditional drawing. There's going to be a lot of more writing and collages and, and kind of lookbooks and ideas, little things and thoughts here and there until we finally reach a design. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, if that's a problem for a client, then sorry, they should hire someone else. And, and we're happy to let them, you know, get out of the contract at that point also. We're not greedy in that respect. At the same time, part of this research is always that it's highly specific for a location when we design. One thing why we're also we're successful with restaurants and hotels is that usually if we go to a hotel, let's say a Radisson or a 
whatever it is, they look the same everywhere in the world. And um, this kind of heterotopic aspect of it, we hate. We think that's really dumb. We want it specific for the location. Mm -hmm. We want it to reflect the history of the location, the um, uh, climate of the location, the story of the location. And um, so we will always bring that in. And that makes it very easy to work in different places. And we had projects all over the world. And I think that's something very important. How much time do we have, Greg? Uh, we have all the time in the world. We do? Okay. I mean, I could go in into... theory, we oh. have all the time <laughs> in the world. But we don't want to keep you. The, the one um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask, probably the last thing, I promise, <laughs> is what is your pitch to a prospective student? Someone who's they're interested in design, they're thinking about potentially a couple of options. What would you say to that student? I would say that... Um, to study interior design has two great benefits. One is that we are more interested in teaching you a method than a result. So it's design thinking, this um, evidence-based design thinking that I mentioned earlier that is important to us. And in the end, you can apply that kind of thinking to any kind of design, any anything creative. So you don't have to do actual interior design at the end. And that's something I think that's very important to get you ready for the future of the profession and not for what's happening right now. The other thing is this wide spectrum of interior design, so that we are going to teach you from all the way from the physical to the virtual, from materials, touching things, making things, to virtual reality, augmented reality. So again, there it's this wide spectrum that is very important to us. And um, you can see that you know when you you know anybody can come to our end of the year show when the uh, students um, present their senior projects in beginning of May, you can see there's 50 different projects that are have nothing in common. They're all very essentially different, and that's what we want. That's what we're interested in. So um, if you're interested in design, but you don't know really what exactly in design, come here and study interior design, because you can do anything afterwards. Exciting. And if you have questions about the program, you can go to our website and check out interior design, and you can actually reach out to Christoph um, by email. Your email address is on the page, the interior design page, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you seem to have such a have had such an accomplished career already. Is there anything else that you want to accomplish? What's on your bucket list for the future? <laughs> what else can you possibly want to do? Well, because I'm crazy German, I had when I was a teenager already kind of a plan for my life. Mm. There you go with the organization. Uh -huh. and, uh, that's great. And so... Um, which included, for example, that uh, my 40s were supposed to be dedicated to teaching at some point and research. So now that I've entered my 50s, I'm aging myself again. Um, so the next step in my career is really writing, making that the main focus. Um, and especially not just theoretical writing, which I have done so far, academic writing mostly, but um, I'm going to slowly switch over to fictional writing. Oh. And um, there will be an upcoming book in, I don't know, 10 years or something Exciting. about uh, the Roman Emperor Hadrian, which is my favorite oh Roman my. Emperor. Wow. Oh, wow. I see another hour yeah. of an interview. <laughs> yeah. This, this is, is good stuff. It is yeah. good stuff. Wow. This is exciting. Yeah. I didn't expect to uh, hear you say that, but yeah, good. Good. Christoph, thank you so much for joining us. Thank it's you really so much. been fun. It has uh, been. We could talk forever. I, I think this is really interesting stuff, and I hope uh, people listening are interested too, and I hope they explore and find out more, and maybe they come here, maybe they go somewhere else, but it's, it's good. It's good stuff that we're doing, so thank you. Thank you for having me here. It was a lot of fun. Good. Thank you.